0: If I mention the word Christianity to you, what image pops into your mind? If I were to ask you, what is the purpose of Christianity? What are Christians to be about doing? What is the purpose of the Christian church? What is Christianity supposed to be anyway? What would be your answers to those questions? Is Christianity simply a set of beliefs or doctrinal creeds or a profession of faith? Or is it a feeling in your heart? Is the purpose of the church to be a major charitable influence in the world? Is Christianity supposed to be a political force for change in society? You know, if you were to take five people aside who consider themselves Christians and ask them those questions, you would probably get five different sets of answers. If you are tired of the confusion in Christianity and want to know what Christ intended Christianity to be when He created it, then stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to tomorrow 's world. Currently, Christianity, as the word is broadly understood, represents the largest religion on the planet, more than two billion human beings, around one third of all mankind, consider themselves to be Christian as a world religion. It bears the name of Jesus Christ, presumably its founder, a man who walked the earth almost two thousand years ago, though it was not simply a man, but let 's not get ahead of ourselves. His teachings and those of his followers were collected in a book that we call the Bible. Beginning with one man whose teachings were written down faithfully transmitted through the centuries, you'd think that what Christianity is, what its beliefs are, and what its purpose is should be very clear. Yet when we look at what is called Christianity in the world today, clarity is the last thing we see. Even the most Casual observer of the religion today would have to agree that the religion called Christianity seems sometimes to be a confusing mess. Just what is a Christian supposed to do? What is a Christian supposed to be? What does a Christian believe? What's the whole purpose of Christianity in the church, anyway? When we ask these questions and then look out into the world for answers, What we see is a bewildering set of contradictory behaviors, beliefs, and standards. A vast collection of competing visions of what Christianity is supposed to be. Let's take a quick survey of some of the differences that we would see if our eyes could scan the earth in an instant like God's. And we could start with this, the Bible. What is the ultimate source of authority in Christianity? Well, we can cheat and say it's the will of Jesus Christ... But still, it's got to be something specific, something we can actually act on. For some, the authority of the Christian church lays not ultimately in men, but in the Holy Scriptures, the collection of books that we now call the Bible. For others, the ultimate authority comes from a hierarchy of man whose decisions are assumed to be perfectly inspired. Any teachings or traditions established by these men are given authority over and above the Bible. Where tradition and Bible conflict... Tradition trumps the Bible. Well, if those who call themselves Christians can't agree on what constitutes the ultimate authority, you might think that spells bad news for other points of possible disagreement. And you'd be right. For example, what should the Christian church believe? What should be the doctrines they hold dear? Now, some believe that the commandments and laws given in the Old Testament were done away with by the sacrifice of Christ. They say those laws were considered a burden And we're not binding on Christians in any way. That once you are saved, your actions become irrelevant to your ultimate destiny with God. Others say that the church has the authority to change God's laws according to its own will and to create new laws and binding obligations, ceremonies, and celebrations. Some few say that those laws are still binding today though the sacrifice of Christ has changed some aspects of the Christian's relationship to those laws. What should the Christian church teach? Some say it should be preaching exclusively about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for sins, and that to add any more is blasphemous and tantamount to twisting the gospel. Others say that Christianity should focus on comforting the downtrodden and providing solace during suffering, but shouldn't intrude on the lives of others with requirements or expectations of behavior. What is the ultimate purpose of man? Now, some flavors of Christianity say that it's just to die one day to go off to heaven and to stare at the face of God for all eternity or to float amongst the clouds with harps like angels. Others have a similar version of that belief, but they say that the afterlife is just like life we have here, except that all the negatives and bad things are gone and we'll be able to live our lives like Adam and Eve, whiling away our time in the ultimate garden of Eden in heaven. Still others calling themselves Christians say that there really is no afterlife. And the purpose of man is simply to accomplish what good he can before he dies. And finally, what is the purpose of the church? What should its work be? Many Christian organizations believe in what they call a social gospel and that the purpose of the church is to alleviate suffering, inequity, and injustice in the world until the earth is transformed into a heaven on earth. Many of them run soup kitchens or devote themselves to building homes for the homeless and the poverty-stricken. Others believe that Christians are to use the more powerful means at their disposal, such as politics, to seek office and to carve out legislation from the seats of government, changing laws wherever possible to reflect what they believe to be God's will, so that law by law and seat by seat, God is virtually ruling on the earth. Is this hodgepodge of contradictory and confusing stances really the Christianity Jesus Christ intended when he began his church almost 2,000 years ago. Near the beginning of the church, during the first century, the Apostle Paul wrote some letters to the Christians in the ancient city of Corinth. We can read two of those letters today. And in one of them he writes, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Speak the same thing, one mind, one judgment. What we call Christianity today doesn't look anything like an organization or group of people with one mind and one judgment. It looks rather much like a free-for-all. A bewildering set of competing visions in which the name of Jesus Christ is applied loosely and almost whimsically to philosophies and organizations of every sort, shape, and size. If I had to summarize it all in one word, I'd pick confusing. Yet the Bible says that Jesus is alive and well. Better than well, in fact, he's glorified and sitting at the right hand of his Father in majesty and power and is running his church from heaven, making decisions, guiding the church according to his will. Yet the vast collection of human beings who call themselves Christian today do not look like a group of people being directed by one omnipotent leader with their competing ideologies and methodologies and disputes and in some cases in the world even wars against each other. If so, then Jesus Christ is the worst CEO in history. And I greatly doubt that that's the case. Either Jesus started Christianity 2,000 years ago and then left us all on our own, after which apparently the inmates took over the asylum, or else something else is at work. So we're confronted with two inescapable facts. Inescapable fact number one ...is that the religion called Christianity, which is claimed as their own by over one-third of humanity on this earth, is a confusing mess. Inescapable fact number two, we can read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. If modern Christianity is a Babylon of confusion and God is not the author of confusion, then I think we have come to an important point in our discussion. Is there any way that we can sort through the confusion in front of us to find the church God actually claims as his own? How can we find a version of Christianity out there that simply isn't a version, but is the version, the religion founded by Jesus Christ that believes what God believes and professes exactly what Christ and his original apostles and disciples professed? We'll discuss that in a moment. But first, I want to offer you a free book related to our discussion today entitled Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. No, God is not the author of Confusion. The fact is that Satan the devil is real, and he's the source of all the confusion and the bewildering array of competing Christianities around us. Revelation twelve nine tells us that he has deceived the whole world, and amongst his most passionate of goals is to keep you and me from recognizing and living out the true faith of Jesus Christ. Our booklet, which is absolutely free and can be requested without any obligation, We'll demonstrate to you, straight out of your own Bible, the con job that Satan has pulled on an unwitting humanity, including you and me. We will not ask you for money. We just want you to have this booklet for your own study, for the benefit of you and your family. Call us today or visit us on the Internet and order your copy of Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost,
1: no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now. Or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227.
0: Is there any way to make sense of all this? Is there any way to cut through the confusion of modern-day Christianity to find the church that Jesus promised would still be here, awaiting His return, doing His work, and teaching His truth? Well, let me suggest a novel idea. If we're going to cut through the confusion to better understand the true teachings and purpose of the church Jesus Christ founded almost 2,000 years ago... Wouldn't it make a great deal of sense to go to the teachings of Jesus Christ himself? If anyone understands what Christianity is supposed to be, it ought to be Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at some of the areas of disagreement and confusion that we discussed previously and see what the CEO and founder of God's church, Jesus Christ, has to say about them. First, what did Jesus think of the Bible's authority Versus the authority of men. In John chapter 10 and verse 35, Jesus makes a remarkable statement. He says, The Scripture cannot be broken. Jesus says that the Scriptures do not contradict themselves. And when it comes to conflict between Scripture and the authority and traditions of men, Jesus was just as clear. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 and verse 6. And I hope you have your Bible with you today. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 6, speaking to the Pharisees whom Jesus had said on another occasion were legitimate spiritual authorities in some things, Jesus has some very harsh words. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In verse 9, he continues, He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Jesus Christ seemed to understand which took priority, the teachings and traditions of men or Scripture. And he says, Scripture trumps tradition. In this, he reflects a teaching in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Now, don't be afraid of it just because it's the Old Testament. Jesus loved the Old Testament and inspired the Apostle Paul to write that the Old Testament could make one wise for salvation. Jesus Christ didn't think the Old Testament was done away with, and neither should we. In Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, we read, to the law and to the testimony, If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Jesus says that scripture, not the teachings or traditions of men, are the ultimate authority. Well, then, we've mentioned the law. What did Jesus teach about the law? Was it done away like so many of those who call themselves Christians believe? Let's look here in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Those who say that Jesus did away with the law, but that somehow that isn't the same as destroying the law, are playing word games with your life as their poker chips. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Yep, heaven's still there. Earth is too. God's law is not done away with not even later after Christ's death and resurrection. Look at the words of the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Now, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Even in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Notice how the body of believers, the saints, are described. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You would read the same thing in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Even in the end times pictured by the book of Revelation, keeping the commandments of God are described as being an inherent part of the church Jesus Christ founded clearly Jesus teaches us that the commandments are not done away what about the purpose of man is the reward of the saved floating off to heaven forever where did Jesus stand on this point of modern contention look here in Matthew chapter 19 at what Jesus said to his disciple when Peter asked a question very similar to ours Starting in verse 27, we read, "'Then Peter answered and said to him, "'See, we have left all and followed you. "'Therefore, what shall we have?' "'So Jesus said to them, "'Assuredly, I say to you, "'that in the regeneration, "'when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, "'you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, "'judging the twelve tribes of Israel.'" Now notice, Peter is asking a sincere question. Was Jesus just pulling his leg or giving him a meaningless hope that had nothing to do with reality? Well, as Bible scholar D.A. Waite once said, When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. The fact is that the reward of the saved, according to Christ is to rule with him at his second coming as kings and priests in the family of the kingdom of God, and to do so here on this earth. We could look at Jesus' teachings in one of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 5. But it's so common you probably haven't memorized and haven't given it any thought. Jesus said that the meek shall inherit what? The earth, not heaven. Turn also to Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. The book of Revelation, which the Apostle John says in chapter 1 and verse 1, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In that book, in chapter 5 and in verse 9, we read, And they sang a new song, saying, You, speaking to Christ, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation." and have made us kings and priests to our god and we shall reign on the earth that is the uniform testimony of scripture and we could read many other places peter christ apostle to the jews speaks of our coming priesthood paul instructed directly by the resurrected christ to be his apostle to the gentiles taught that Christians are going to literally reign and to sit in positions of judgment and rulership, not only over the world, but over angels. The reward of the saved preached by Jesus Christ is a far cry from the reward preached by so many of those who call themselves Christian. Before we go further, let me offer you again our eye-opening booklet, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. How did Christianity get to be this way in the first place? No, God is not the author of confusion. The fact is that Satan the devil is real. This book will help you open up your Bible and understand how modern-day Christianity came to a point of such confusion instead of continuing in the clear and simple teachings of Jesus Christ. This booklet is absolutely free. Volunteers from around the world who believe in this work of God have already paid for your copy, so you don't have to, and we will not ask you to we simply want to share the incredible truth of scripture with all who are willing to hear it. Call the number below and order your own free copy of a book like none you've ever seen before, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity.
1: This informative booklet is yours absolutely free, no cost, no obligation, if you call this toll-free number 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is one 800 718 4-8-0-0. Call now, or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself.
0: Tomorrow's World. Call now. Let's conclude by looking at one more thing. What does Jesus Christ say about the mission or purpose of His church? He lays out the Great Commission very clearly at the end of the book of Mark. Speaking to His disciples, He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That gospel is often misunderstood. Many believe it to be simply the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And while it certainly does include teaching about Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and His subsequent glorification, the gospel that Jesus brought to this earth was the gospel of the kingdom of God. We've already talked about the book of Mark. Let's look in the first chapter of the book of Mark, this time in verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of God... And as we've already discussed, this is a literal kingdom in which those who are glorified with Christ will reign and rule on the earth. How often do you hear about that from modern day Christianity? Actually, as an experiment, I looked up the meaning of the gospel on the Internet not too long ago. And we all know the Internet is the vast repository of all truth and wisdom. Well, I came across an essay written by what seemed to be a very intelligent and sincere man trying to explain what Christ's gospel was. Over the course of 3,235 words, not once did he mention the kingdom of God. Yet even up to the very end times, in the second coming of Christ, Jesus prophesied that his church will continue to preach that gospel. Look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. A church that is truly focused on its mission, its purpose for existence, will agree with the comments of Jesus Christ in John 4 and verse 34, where he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Doing the work of God was his sustenance, his satisfaction. It's what drove him day after day after day. We see it in the disciples he trained as well. Look at Peter. We look at the passion and the zeal of Paul. They recognized that they were a part of the greatest single endeavor in human history and that it was worth their passion their lives, their everything. You know, we may fall so short of their incredible example, but that is our goal here at Tomorrow's World. That is what we strive to do on this worldwide program every single week in our collection of free magazines and booklets and Bible study courses. That is what the church is to be about. That is the church's mission and purpose according to Jesus Christ. The religion that this world calls Christianity may be a confusing collection of goods, but the testimony and instruction of Jesus Christ is as clear as the finest crystal and every bit as beautiful. Please order the free booklet that we've offered you today, Satan's Counterfeit Christianity. The story of how the church that began with the simple teachings of Jesus Christ came to be the confusing morass of religions that we see today is a story that will enthrall you and potentially change the rest of your life no God is not the author of confusion the fact is that Satan the devil is real this booklet Satan's counterfeit Christianity will show you things you have perhaps never seen before please write or call and order Satan's counterfeit Christianity and in the meantime We invite you to meet with us again right here next week where Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, and Rod King will give you another look into tomorrow's world. This informative booklet is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation.
1: If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now. Or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. To view today's program, order the free literature offered, or for more information on today's vital subject, visit us online at www.tomorrowsworld.org.